0: Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our worship thus far. And Lord, I pray that your word would not return null or void, Lord, as we honor you this day. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Since 1775, at the beginning of the Revolutionary War, American forces have fought, sometimes for good reasons and other times for not so good reasons. Some of our fighting forces returned to ticker-tape parades. And others, they returned to pomp and circumstance like no one has seen. Yet others have come home feeling defeated or, at best, fighting a war that has not even ended. For some, they never return home. And as a civilian, it boggles my mind. I, it just I, I cannot conceive... To think about the men and women and families that have fought and are currently fighting and will fight in the future for the simple freedoms that I enjoy today. They are even fighting for those who wish to have the freedom to condemn them and what they're fighting for. That's the thing about freedom and that's the thing about fighting is that we fight for not only our benefit, but for the benefit of those that don't even understand the grace by which they have been given it. I can remember January 17th, 1991. I was traveling home from a concert in Greenwood, South Carolina, where a college music group that I was in had just completed a concert. And we were on our way back to Charleston. And then I've got a picture I'll show you. This is a night... Picture of the airstrikes that were taking place back in 1991. At 7 p.m., I remember the radio stopping the music to inform the world that the United States, they were carrying out aerial attacks with extensive bombing and at the threat of... Back then, World War III was a big threat. I don't know about for the older folks, but for the younger folks, we were still kind of coming out of that Reagan era of, of nuclear and the Soviets and the Russian. And then all of a sudden now, this new war, World War III thing was, was really a big thing for us. And we just thought maybe we were one button away, one button push away from death by nuclear annihilation. So for us, it was a real fear. Do you remember that day? Some of you remember that. Some of you don't. Some of you weren't even born, or maybe you were in diapers. I don't know, but uh, I'm sure that there's that way for many dates in history. But I'll never forget that I remember thinking that this may very well be the end of the world. It was Operation Desert Shield that eventually turned into Operation Desert Storm. Thirty-five nations led by the United States against Iraq in response to Iraq's invasion and annexation of Kuwait. And then I'm sure many of you can remember this next picture. September 11th, 2001. Do you remember where you were? I'm sure you can remember where you were because this is when in a changing moment, we may not have thought about it at the time, but we ought to have known that eventually we would be going to war. On that fateful day when four planes became weapons that wreaked havoc on the Twin Towers of New York City and the Pentagon. And the one that was taken down, that crashed in Pennsylvania by some brave passengers that day. You know, we're getting older when you can describe where you were when students are reading about these things in their history books. I hope the history classes are teaching these things today. Because I remember when I was a kid and hearing about all these wars that I'd never been a part of. And, and for me and my generation, I always heard from the older folks, I remember where I was when JFK got shot. And many of you can remember that. We, our lives are chronicled by these milestones. But yet, you know you're getting older when you have lived history and other people are studying it. So at this moment, because of things like this, our men and women in our armed forces are serving to make sure that our country is protected even at this moment. So in honor of them, what I'd like to do this morning, I would like for you to stand. I've got the American flag down front, and I would like for us to do the Pledge of Allegiance. So if you would, please stand with me with your hand over your heart. No kneeling, please. Repeat after me. or right, let's just say it together. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Be seated. I remember a day when you got into your homeroom class and the school didn't start that day until you stood. And so the pledge to the American flag. I sound like some of y'all now. I remember back in the day. That's all right. We can say the pledge to it right here. Thank you. And never let us forget that we are one nation under God. Absolutely, we are one nation under God, but I would say that we're not one nation. We are under God, but we are not one. We are more divided today than we have ever been. It's been, we are divided because of morality. We are divided because of politics. We are divided because of preferences. We are not one, but we are under God, whether we like it or not. While people are quick to fight for their nation, so very few who are enlisted in God's army are willing to fight. Why do God's followers not fight? We are in a war. We are in God's army. When you pray to receive Christ as your Savior and Lord, to forgive you of your sins, and to give you a ticket to stay out of hell, and to have heaven as a hope, when you signed up for that, you became an enlisted person. But the reason God's followers do not fight today... There's many, but I've just listed three here. Number one, they have no clue that there's even a war going on. There are so many churches that are filled today with people that don't have a clue that we are in a battle at this very moment. As I am preaching, I fully believe that there are evil spiritual forces trying to influence these things. This service, Even in your mind right now, I might be preaching and y'all might be thinking about the pot roast that you left in the crock pot. Well, I know. I I have once or twice sat where you are. Sometimes it's hard to pay attention. You ever thought maybe it's because the devil doesn't want you to pay attention? Have you ever thought that there is a a host of angels around this building keeping us safe? It blows your mind when you think about it, but there's so many people that are clueless that there is a war going on. And some of them, they do not know how to fight. Or if they know how to fight, they don't know what to use. And then the third reason is, they never signed up to fight in the first place. They never placed their faith in Jesus Christ. So, as we honor those who serve our country today, let us take a moment to bring attention to the battle that all believers are fighting. Some are winning. Some are losing. And quite honestly, some have just gone a wall. So as we turn to our scripture today, the first thing that we see is that we need to know that the battle is real. Know that the battle is real. Paul, he's saying, let me, let me just drive this home one more time to his letter to the Ephesian church. He says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. As we go back and we look at verse 10, look at your scriptures because, because the answer is right there before you. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Folks, this is a battle that will not be won in your own strength. This spiritual battle for your well-being, this spiritual battle for your thought life this spiritual battle for your family, this spiritual battle for this church and this community and this world, there is not a bomb big enough that will fix it. Bullets do not make a dent in this war that we're talking about. If you go back and you think about David and Goliath, Goliath was as mean as they come. He was Abram's tank compared to David running up to him with a slingshot and a rock that he got out of the river. But what made David so lethal is because he says, I come to you in the name of the Lord, my God. Folks, don't think it was about David and his sling and his rock. It was about God who was fighting for him. And God will fight for us. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fiery furnace, the Lord was with them. And our country was founded by immigrants, there's the buzzword, our country was founded by immigrants that fled England because they wanted to worship God as they chose and not how the state told them they should worship. They fled Not for a better financial situation, not to live the American dream because they wanted to worship God the way the Bible said you ought to worship God. Our nation may choose to forget God, but he has not forgotten us. You see, we are one nation under God and we are all created equal with rights that have been given to us because of that. So if you are a Christian, you do not fight in your strength, but you can fight in His. You may not be able to make your finances work today. You may not be able to salvage that relationship or or dig yourself out of the hole that you've dug yourself into. But my friend, God can. God can do that. God restores marriages. God heals bodies. God loves the unlovable and fights for those who cannot fight for themselves. You are not in this alone. You have got God on your side. God restores these things. God restores marriages. He heals bodies. He loves the unlovable. The second thing we see in verse 11, he says, God has given you and I the equipment to fight. What does he say here? Put on all, the, all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all of the strategies of the devil. All of your armor. Notice the armor is available for our fight. But the funny thing is about armor... You have to be wearing it for it to be effective. <laughs> I think of, and, and I probably shouldn't say this because it's not in my notes, but I remember when I was playing football in 7th 8th grade, you know how much of an athlete you are in 7th 8th grade. And uh, I had not been the little league guy. I had not been the Pop Warner. I just decided in 7th 8th grade, coach said, hey boy, you're big, come stand in front of that guy and make him run around you. <laughs> Pretty much. And so we got all of our equipment, and then there was this this one thing that was... We call it a cup. It's for the groin area to protect that. And I thought, I don't need that. (laughs) Until I did. And I'll tell you what, I got my bell rung and I never went out without it again. And you're like, why in the world are you talking about that, folks? We have got all the armor that God is about to lay out for us. And it will only help us if we don it. If we wear it, because I guarantee you one day, if there's one piece that you forgot, that will be the day that you get hit in that area. I think of firefighters, they go into high degrees, sometimes twelve, fourteen hundred degrees and they have to stay low so they don't get burnt. But I guarantee you, if you didn't put your flap on right, or if you have your zipper down a little bit, whatever is exposed will get burned Badly. That's why we check each other. That's why you as a believer need to check one another and make sure that all of us are wearing our full armor of God because God has given it to us. And then we also see in verse 12 that we are fighting an evil, unseen world. Look at what it says. We're not fighting against Trump. We're not fighting against Pelosi. We're not fighting against red and blue. We're not fighting against the Brits or the Mexicans or or all of these other things. We are fighting a war that is of evil rulers and authorities of a world that we cannot see. Do you take this seriously? The battle is real, folks. Do you take this seriously? I want you to understand something. Let me show you this. I want you to know that Satan hunts for you. Some of you guys are avid hunters. You've got all the stands and the camo and the artillery and the lures. I guess you would say I don't all these different ways you know how to to catch all these animals. You realize you're hunted. Just like that deer you shoot. Just like that whatever season it is, the does or I, I don't know. As you can tell, I'm not a hunter. I apologize. Y'all can school me later. Satan hunts for you. It says in 1 Peter 5.8 to stay alert and to watch out for your great enemy, the devil. So we know we have an enemy. The devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. It's not a question of if. It's a question of When He is always looking for that moment when you decide not to wear that piece of armor. And not only does he hunt for you, he is your accuser. He is the same one that in a very quiet voice says, go ahead, you can do that. Nobody's going to see. Go ahead. And then once you do it, you do that sin, all of a sudden the voice changes from a whisper to a, "Uh uh-huh, you are worthless. You are a piece of trash because you did this. And he becomes your accuser. Revelation 12.10 says, The one who accuses them before our God day and night. So you are hunted. And you are accused. Folks, you are in a battle. Whether you are eight or eighty. Or a hundred and eight. John Bloom of Desiring God, a blog, writes, Satan can make demands and sometimes he grants them. Sometimes God grants them. We also see this the reality in the first and second chapters of Job. And when Satan is granted his demands, like with Job, all hell breaks loose against believers. And this attack can take the form of flesh and blood enemies, natural disasters, and even bodily disease. Folks, we are at war with evil, and you and I are in its crosshairs. And it doesn't care whether you are black, white. Rich, poor, male, female, however you identify, evil is coming after you. So, if that's the case, the second thing we see is that you need to suit up for the battle daily. Daily. Verses 13 through 17. Let's take a look at what's there. It says, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on the salvation as your helmet. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Folks, every day we should be donning this armor. We should be fit for battle because that's why we walk around so defeated every day. Is because we forgot to wear our armor. It's one thing for a non-believer to not have the armor and not wear it, but it is just plain stupid for a Christian to have oh did I say stupid in church but it is it 's plain stupid for believers to have this armor and not wear them let 's look at the armor for, real quickly. the belt of truth back then what does he talk about back then the the soldiers they, they wore tunics they wore what we would consider i guess. You know, like you go to a a church play and they have the the shepherds with the long robes and everything like that. That's basically what they wore. That was their outfit. And so what they would do, they, they would have these big, thick belts and they would take the bottom of their, they weren't skirts, but tunics or whatever, but they would take them and they would pull them up and they would stuff them in that belt all the way around. So while they were running, they wouldn't trip up over their own clothes. Folks, I'm telling you what, The belt of truth, God's truth. If you tuck the loose areas of your life into God's word, it will keep you from tripping yourself up. The Bible is a light unto our path. It gives us enough light to go take the next step. Knowing the truth of God's word helps us discern between what is from God and what is from Satan. Ephesians 4.14 says, Knowing the truth means that we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be lost or tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. And we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that sound like truth. Boy, people can slip you a load of baloney today and try to pass it off as God's truth. you got to be wiser and more in tune with God's word today than ever. And if you don't think you believe me, go back and look at Mark chapter four when Satan himself is tempting Jesus with scripture that is taken out of context. We gotta be careful. The breastplate of righteous. No, no Roman soldier would dare go into battle without his breastplate of righteousness. And this, this was this breastplate was like a, a sleeveless piece of armor that covered every part of his head and limbs. I guess a modern day interpretation of that would be a bulletproof vest, right? So but they made sure that their heart was protected. They made sure that their heart was not able, for the, the enemy could not get to the heart. Folks, you've got to protect your heart. The Bible says guard your heart. Because Satan, he wants to get into that heart and change it and harden it. Like, I mean, the statistics get lower and lower every year. It used to be years ago they would say it was like 90-some percent chance that if you didn't accept Christ by the time you were 18, you would never accept Christ. And that was years ago. And that number has just gotten lower and lower and lower. That's why there is a cry for children's ministry and youth ministry. Because we know that the older we get the harder it is for someone to come to know Christ. They say literally that our heart as we get older, hardens. Do not harden your heart to God today. If you are a believer, you guard your heart and you wear the breastplate of righteousness. The shoes of peace. A soldier needs protection for his feet. Marching on rough, hot roads, climbing over jagged rocks and more. I think of those poor soldiers that are, are overseas in the desert, I am sure that foot care is a major deal for them. I remember there's a commercial out now that shows a lady going to the grocery store and there's a whole shelf of foot powder. She just whoosh, puts it all in her, her her basket. She checks out and then you see it. she's just made a care package for her son and all of his platoon that are there taking the foot powder to make sure that their feet are going to be okay so they can march. In this hot sand. I can't stand it when I got my flip flops on at the beach. I cannot imagine fighting in that. But they know the importance of having shoes and feet that are ready to fight in a moment. A person who rejects Jesus as their savior is an enemy of God. They do not have those shoes. Romans 5, 6-10 says that. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord today, my friend, you are in His crosshairs. And that's not a place I would want to be. But a person who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord has been reconciled to God through the faith in His Son and is at peace with God. Why can you fight for God is because you know that you are at peace with Him. The shield of faith, the Roman soldiers shield of faith. It was about two and a half feet wide and just as tall, if not taller. And so it would be sometimes steel, sometimes wood, and then it would be covered with some type of of leather or metal thick, thick leather so that they could just hold it up. Because what would happen is the enemies, they would take their arrows and they would put pitch or I guess you would say tar. And they would put tar on the end of these arrows, light it, and that sounds like a fun time, doesn't it? Sounds like a firework show. But they would take it, and they would shoot it, and then so what would happen is is they would use their shield to extinguish those arrows. That arrow would hit that shield, but since it had that tar on it, that flame would splatter, and it could get all over you. So you did not want to forget your shield. And my friend, the devil is shooting flaming arrows at you every day. And I, I don't want you to get mistaken. It's not like there's this big barrage of, 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 of arrows coming towards you. Usually, he finds that one kink in the armor. That one place where he can see skin somewhere. And he takes that arrow after arrow after arrow after arrow until it makes its way to its target. You gotta pick up your shield of faith. Do not drop your shield of faith and allow Satan to cast doubt in your heart today. And then the helmet of salvation. Some helmets were made of thick leather covered with metal plates and others were made of heavy molded or beaten metal and they usually had cheek pieces to protect the face but the purpose of the helmet was to protect the head from the injury of the battle. Folks, Satan, if he can't get into your heart, he'll get into your mind. There is not a believer out there today that I don't think at one point has thought, am I really saved? What 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 if all this is a joke? What if all of this is man-made? These Doubts come into our mind. My friend, if you were were bought with the blood of Christ, that's all you need. It is forever. And then it says the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. This is a defensive piece of equipment, but also it's the only offensive weapon that we are given. You realize that the swords that they used back in those days were double-edged. So not only would it cut the person you're throwing it to or throwing it against, but it also cuts ourselves. Folks, God's word, the purpose of God's word is not only to defend us from attacks, but to cut us and to make us and correct us where we need to be corrected, to make us better soldiers of his army. But look in your scriptures just for a second at those verses. Look look, look at all of those pieces of armor. From 13 to 17. I don't know if you've noticed this. But there is nothing. There is no piece of armor. That is listed there. For our backsides. Do you see one? If you do please point it out. Do you see anything in there. To protect our backsides. You won't find anything. Why in the world? God must have made a mistake. He didn't give us anything for our backside. No, he did not make a mistake. We are the ones that make a mistake. We do not have armor for the back. is because we don't need to turn around and run run from God. And run from the battle. If we run from the battle, our backside is exposed. Oh, and another thing too, you good Christians and myself. We don't need to stab each other in the back. Why does God not give us armor for our backside? It's because He's got our back. If we get hit, it's because we've turned around. If we get hit, it's because we've been stabbed by somebody else that's supposed to be on our team. Or we're just running from the battle. The third thing we see is that your strongest position for fighting is on your knees your strongest position for fighting is on your knees check it out in verse 18 you read it for yourself this is a new living translation it says pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere I would imagine if you are serving in the armed forces and you get selected for watch duty. You know, you're the one that while everybody else is sleeping, you're looking for threats. I would imagine if you fell asleep, that would not be looked on kindly by your commanding officer. Nor your brothers and sisters. It says, pray in the spirit at all times. What in the world does that mean? Let's take just a second as we close up today. Praying in the spirit. Does that mean, is that like being slain in the spirit? Is that like hopping pews and running circles? No, that's not what it's talking about. Hey, if you want to do that, go ahead. But what it's talking about is that I, I, I would not ascribe for any of you to close your eyes and pray while you're driving. Right? I, I would describe it that while you're working during the day. That if you want to take a moment and pray, that's fine. But by being in a spirit of prayer, that means it's your mind and your heart. You are always thinking about God. And you are always at least filtering what happens in your day-to-day routine by how does this affect me in my life? And how does this affect my relationship with God? Because I'm telling you what, we let things knock us out of this zone. I guess you would say praying in the spirit means that we are online with God. You can, most of you can, can understand that, right? You know, you look down at your cell phone and it says no signal, no connection. Oh my goodness. But folks, sometimes our connection with God is hindered because we are out of the spirit. And what takes us out of the spirit? Our sinful desires, our hate filled lives. The stuff that we put in front of our eyes. The stuff that we put in our ears. The people that we allow to say things to us that they shouldn't be said. And the things that we do. These things knock us offline with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying you lose your salvation, but I am saying you will lose your fellowship and your strength with God if you're not in the Spirit with Him. Because we are either pleasing the Spirit or we are grieving the Spirit by what we think, And by what we do. And how we act. I hear people say all the time. Well. You know. It's okay to think it. But just don't say it. No. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus says he knows our hearts. And he knows every thought. Folks. If you want to fight evil. To protect your fellowship with God. Your family. And our country. And all that God has created. We will be. A people of prayer. Here's some benefits of prayer. That I'm going to leave you with. Number one. If you devote yourself, Look you're going to have some setbacks. I understand. But if you make a valid effort. To be a person. That fights this war on your knees. You're going to find first. That it keeps you engaged. With the Holy Spirit. It keeps you engaged. It keeps you on point. With the Holy Spirit. And here's the good thing. If you fail and you grieve the Holy Spirit, at least you're in tune enough with Him to know that you've done that. Then you confess and you repent and you move forward. It keeps us engaged with the Holy Spirit. It gives us perseverance. I am here today by the grace of God and not because I am a great person. But some days I just kept on praying. Even when I felt like it might not even have reached that ceiling tile. You keep praying. It gives us perseverance. It keeps us plugged in to the needs of the church. And it gives strength to others. And it brings boldness to the person praying. And the recipient, the person that they are praying for. I love it when I hear people say, We were praying for this person and it it happened like we prayed for. And like they're surprised. Folks, the prayers of many of you in here have made an impact on the world. Many of you in here have known the power of prayer. Some of you are standing right now in the midst of prayer. Whether it be for you or a family member and praying for God to please do something. And you are probably closer to God than you have ever been because of it. It builds Perseverance. And it brings boldness to you and the person receiving it. So what makes a good soldier? Maybe you heard of the army values that they teach. These values are loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. It is essential for a soldier to have these values in order to be entrusted with the license or responsibility Of having to take the life of another human being while protecting those that they serve with and protecting us. And while we celebrate those who fight for our freedom today, we honor them by fighting as believers against this world because lives are at stake. May you take what you are fighting for seriously this morning because folks, there is always going to be evil. There will always be wars in the Middle East and there will always be countries and politicians trying to posture themselves to have power over somebody else. But my friend, one day all of the weapons are going to be laid down. Jesus Christ is going to come back and it's all going to be over. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is one nation under God is what we are. And one day we will be with God. My prayer is that you'll be with me. My prayer is that you're fighting with me, that we're fighting side by side. My prayer is, is that everyone in here is in God's army. That they have a relationship with the Lord, that they are praying for this world. And you're not perfect, but doing the best that you can to be a person of faith. If you're not, if you're not a Christian and you you want to sign up, For God's army. You want to have a relationship. With God through Jesus Christ. You can come forward. And I will pray with you. And we can make sure. That you enlist today. In God's army. Maybe you have a prayer need. You want to come to the altar. Or pray with me. Or someone beside you. You can do that. Or maybe you want to join this church. Whatever your decision may be. This invitation time. Is a time for you. To stand. And enlist. Or if nothing else. Be encouraged. Would you stand?